the Himalayas. On the ground, virgin snowscapes offer miles of anonymity to albinos of all stripes. Above, the majestic mountains enforce the separation between the pleasures of heaven and the hardships of earth, a delicate position where Captain Gulliver Nash and the company of his feathered beagle find themselves aboard their modern, albeit uninsulated, flying machine. I'm freezing, George. Yeah, it's worth it, though. This was a pretty good plan, Nash. The mountains will block any signal being sent to Baron von Grupp if he's got us bugged. No, I'm actually frozen. Our hero demonstrates the curious phenomenon of human flesh applied to very cold metal, and then attempts to undo said phenomenon. Ow! Mr. Taggart! Aye, Captain? Don't we have any more things to burn? No, sir. We burned everything that would light. Even the pictures of Claudette Colbert where she's making that pouty face? Aye. That's a damn shame. Uh Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh uh-oh? I don't like it when you say, uh-oh. The envelope, Nash. The low temperature is causing us to lose lift. What should we do? George, there's one thing I'm never short of, and that's a plan. Do tell. Mr. Stegman, set her down. We need to find shelter until we can properly insulate our envelope against these temperatures. You want us to go through these mountains on foot? That's the plan. Well, yeah. We'll die! Possibly. You're insane. Yeah. Let's go. Ladies first. Armed with hope desperation and the tattered remnants of Nash's chivalry, the Beagle lands and Nash and a small retinue set off through the rocky terrain on foot looking for solace. For these are dangerous climbs. Dangerous climbs full of dangerous men. Dangerous men like Gulliver Nash and his crew of Sky Pirates! Nash, George, and Gunnery Sergeant Taggart proceed through the wilderness on improvised snowshoes. This was a stupid plan. These tennis rackets were expensive. Then you're lucky you stole them. And it's cold. (laughs) This is hardly the worst spot I've ever been in. Why, I once fought my way out of a bar full of krauts with nothing but a toothpick. Oh, you flyboys have it so rough. One time, a grenade landed in the open mouth of a man while he was talking to me. Okay, don't... Like a ripe watermelon it was. Enough of that! Look, in the mist ahead. A mysterious figure seems to appear almost out of nowhere. A heaving beast of burden hulks at his side. The mist from its exhalations twine in the cold air like the braids of a... What? Come on, are you paid by the word or something? Sorry. It's a smelly bearded man with a yak. Jeez. You souls look lost. That is a pretty accurate assessment. Though I am but a simple yak herder... I own an inn not too far from here. It has furs, meats, and many other accommodations which should suit your body. I would only ask for a token sum in return. I'm fresh out of tokens. However, I do have ungodly sums of money. That'd work, too. Sir, on behalf of the crew of the Feathered Beagle, I'd like to thank you for your hospitality. And who might you be? Captain Gulliver Nash, formerly of the United States Army Air Corps. And you are... Upon hearing the name, the yak herder says nothing, apparently unaware or unimpressed by Nash's celebrity. I am Goba Pundun Yeltsosherba. Is that short for something? Yes. Please follow me. Meanwhile, the ship of the unspeakably evil Baron von Grupp's death's head floats over the Mediterranean, searching in vain under the watchful eye of the equally unspeakably evil Lady Magdalena. I don't know how he's done it. But that rogue Nash has somehow been able to scramble my tracking devices. I'm afraid, my dear lady, that for the moment, the trail has gone cold. Oh, irony. Don't be cheeky. Sorry. 
You seem oddly restrained, Magdalena. Normally you'd be stabbing my expensive furniture. Is something troubling you? It's Nash. This is only a minor setback. Consider him incinerated. It's not that. Have you eaten today? You look a little pickish. I'm fine. Very well. So, I finished the sonic cannon. Did you? Yes. Soon you can uh, shatter your adversary into tiny pieces. <sighs> Rather like that. I want to be alone. In frustration, Magdalena storms into her chambers and gets out a set of her favorite throwing knives, ready to hurl them at a photograph of Nash hung up in the corner. She readies a blade, prepares to land it right between the eyes, and... I can't. What do you mean you can't? It's a simple flicking motion. I can't do it. It's... it's Nash. I think I love him. You mean, you'd love for him to be crushed by a thousand boulders? No. You'd love for him to be bitten by a family of venomous snakes? No! You... you actually mean genuine flowers and chocolate... Wine, candles, and smooches, love? Yes, but no. Ah! You know, one of these days you're going to break your favorite teapot and you won't realize it until it's too late. I don't care. He haunts my dreams. Everywhere I turn, he's there. I want so desperately to end him. There are times when I've got him cornered, blade out, ready to shove it into him, and I just can't do it. I need him, but he has to die! Why is that, though? (sighs) My late husband, Wilhelm, was Europe's finest pilot. The Black Duke, they called him. He was a master, the best, except for one, and that was Nash. The two of them fought each other many times in the war, but never did either land a single hit. Towards the end of the war, Wilhelm and Nash were engaged in a fierce dogfight. And Nash shot him in the wing with a single bullet. I came from a family of fencers, and in swordplay there is no greater insult than to strike your opponent's toe. The bullet, placed right in the middle of the cross on the wing, said, I could take your life, but it simply wouldn't be worth the effort. An insult in the utmost. At my urging, Wilhelm avenged my tainted honor and killed himself. But it was not enough. I couldn't move on. I grew obsessed. I followed Nash in the papers until he disappeared into obscurity. I thought I had mostly forgotten him until Nash raided Klaus's workshop. And then everything flooded back. I knew I wanted to find Nash. He bested the man I loved. Either he becomes mine or I destroy him. That's primeval. Call it the feudal instinct. I can't kill him, but I must. Sounds like you've got this all figured out. Ah! Okay. In the Himalayas, things are much more stable. The crew has joined Nash and company in Goba's snug little inn, wrapped in their newly purchased yak-lined sleeping bags. A low fire crackles in the corner, and the crew have supped on stew and beer. Thus... As it always is with airmen of a certain disposition, when night has fallen and the day's duties are finished, it falls to storytelling. George looks on as she tinkers with something on a workbench. 
And that's who my commanding officer lost his toupee and he never spoke an ill word to me again. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you're enjoying yourself. I love that story. Here, Gobo, why don't you join us? Got any stories, friend? I shouldn't like to be put on the spot, Miss Purcell. That's fine. I do have a question, though. What's that? How did you end up in your curious aerial conveyance with such disparate backgrounds? Where'd the airship come from? Yes. Weren't you a fighter pilot? Yes. Did I mention that? I thought you did. Ah. Okay. Well, yes, I used to be a pilot. Fairly decorated, too. I wouldn't say I was an ace. Oh, I would, Captain. You flatterer. But I got I got my share of enemy kills. Honor and minor glory may be worth the ugly business of war, but they don't fill a man's pockets. So I took to barnstorming after the war. Oh, tell him about the Black Duke. I guess it doesn't make sense without the Duke. Uh, a man named Wilhelm von Schwarzhofen. He was my nemesis in the war. Never was there a finer fighter among the central powers. We dogged each other for months, until finally I scored a hit on him. Just one. Next thing I knew, the war was over, and von Schwarzhofen had disappeared. They said he'd killed himself out of shame, and that made me some kind of hero. Had he? He hopped into his plane, said goodbye to his wife, and was never heard from again. They never even found his plane, but I don't think he's dead. No? You can tell a lot about a man from the way he flies. The Duke was a man of honor, but he wasn't prideful. I don't think he would have killed himself. Not everyone sees honor the same way. I'll concede that, but anyway. After the war, we barnstormed for money, but the plane we had was shoddy. Not a long-term investment as far as those things go, and one day I'm doing a test run over a field, and the engine dies. It gives out. Ignites. The whole cockpit's on fire, so I can't land it, so I failed and crashed the thing. Now we're standing in the middle of nowhere in Texas and staring at this burning wreckage. George has an idea. We extinguish the fire, paint up the wreck, and claiming it was the Duke's plane, we sold it to an Austrian war museum. It earned us enough coin to purchase an outfit and airship. Why'd you call it the Feathered Beetle? I don't know. I like dogs. He's so redeeming feature. Cute. So, Goba, do you have any tales to spin for us? Or perhaps tomorrow. I should probably retire. Ow! Blood and thunder. What is that? I'm fixing a robot. I've finished with rewiring, and I believe he's ready to be activated. There we are. From now on, you shall carry on like a true English gentleman robot. Henceforth, you'll go by the name of my great-great-grandfather Digby. Switch on. Digby, can you hear me? What do you have to say for yourself? Like Lazarus, the robot slowly rises up, looks to his creator, and says, Cool! Only f***ing cold, eh? You lot haven't any biscuits and twinkle, have you? I'll kill a man for some tea. I think I may have crossed the wrong wires. Admiral Nelson barks and skitters across the floor, jumping on Digby on his way. (laughs) Oh, get off, you bloody horrible creature! Will someone get that dog off my robot? Sorry, Mum, he's a bit rowdy. I'll say he is. Bad Admiral Nelson. (laughs) To the devil with the lot of you! He had a point, though. God fix that blotter. He sounds like a fishmonger with his head in the Thames. Good boy, Admiral Nelson. You've done us a service. Well, he certainly didn't do any harm. But unbeknownst to our heroes, harm is precisely what their dog, however accidentally, has done. In his attempt to switch off George's cockney bot, Admiral Nelson accidentally switched on the robot's emergency distress beacon, sending a homing signal back to the death's head. What's that noise? It's a distress beacon from one of my robot soldiers. It can only be the one that snuck aboard Nash's ship. What? And it's coming from... 
Nepal? It's in the Himalayas somewhere. Of course. You had his ship bugged, right? Of course I did. Thus the mountains. They would block all the signals save for an emergency beacon. Those sly dogs. Come, Klaus, let us crush them. I am entertaining the notion that this is a trap. Why would they purposefully activate an emergency beacon? What if it's a red herring, and they've dumped the beacon on top of a mountain and headed on their merry way? Why would they let us pick up their scent if we'd already lost it? And what sort of trap can those pathetic ruffians lay for us? Always overestimate your opponent, Magdalena. Hubris has brought about the fall of too many smart people. Nash can't be that far from the beacon if he's just turned it on. And we have so many more guns than they do. Well, you have a point there. To the mountains, then. Nash shall meet with swift destruction, Lady Fair. Swift and sweet. The next morning catches the crew of the Beagle in the midst of a snowball fight, meaning either they are blissfully unaware of the impending attack or are preparing intensely. Hey, look out! Oh, my hands are getting cold! Hey, 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 hey. My shoeless Joe Jackson rookie card to anyone who can lay so much as a flake of snow on me. Would you please keep Digby out of this childish American fracas? I've just gotten his speech properly calibrated. Quite so, old chap, quite so. Still don't trust that thing, George. You will. I'm teaching him to be like me. And my point still stands. So, Captain Nash, is your aim as good as they say? Depends whom you ask, Goba. If they're the modest type, then no, I'm much better. Do you think you can hit that windmill over there? Are you kidding? I can hit it blindfolded with a hand on Betty Davis's thigh. Watch. Nash pulls back and fires off a snowball, and, being a man of his word, hits the windmill square. But then something curious happens. His throw knocks snow off the windmill, exposing a piece of black metal. The wing of a biplane. What? No. The plane. Not that fake one you may see in the Aeronautical Museum in Vienna. Oh, my God. It can't be. Or what it is, Gulliver. You're the Black Duke. Duke Wilhelm von Schwarzhofen, at your service. It's really you. In the flesh. You look just as you did in the purples, Captain Nash. You shaved your mustache. I really must commend you on your post-war career, Captain Nash. Not all of our brothers in arms could keep it together as a well. I can't believe I didn't recognize you. It was a pretty distinctive mustache. What happened to you? After the war, the Duchess and I fell to arguing. She demanded I kill myself out of shame, like you said. I don't know. She was crazy. Dames, huh? So I climbed into my plane and never looked back. But that is all behind me now. It's me and the yaks out here, and I've never been happier. Well, then I share your happiness. (laughs) It's just so odd. All those years we spent trying to kill each other, and here we are talking like regular chumps. As adversaries, we were beautiful because our natural unspoken bond. I could always anticipate your movements and you mine. Really? Because I never knew what the hell you were going to do next. Which reminds me of something which has always troubled me. Why did you let me live? Was it because I was such a quality opponent that you couldn't stand living in a world without me? Frankly, I had run out of bullets. Ah. Lucky that I did or we wouldn't be talking now. This is crazy. Friends with the Black Dude. Okay, this will seal it. What is your favorite Chaplin picture? The Gold Rust. Correct answer. Wilhelm, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. 
Oh, I like that. You should write for motion pictures. Motion pictures? Really, I think radio's where the money's at. <laughs> at that, the Death's Head emerges from behind a mountain, bearing down on our heroes with its new armament, Grop's experimental sonic cannon. Oh, that isn't good. Stegman, spin her up. Let's get out of here. Gulliver Nash, surrender at once or seize the destruction of your entire crew. Magdalena? Who? Mein Gott, Nash. That's my wife. It is? Think she misses you? She just did. You're coming with us, Wilhelm. If you stay in here, you'll be caught in an avalanche. I cannot face your enemies, Nash. I am finished with war. You'd rather have yaks than sky, von Schwarzhofen? What happened to the man I knew? He retired. Besides, my wife would kill me. She already thinks you're dead. You have a point. Very well, Gulliver Nash. I'll come with you and your crew. You'd better not be out of bullets this time. There's only one way to find out, isn't there? With that, Nash and his old adversary and new ally, the Black Duke, sprint towards the Feather Beagle and the chase begins. Will our ragtag group of heroes be able to withstand Grop's arsenal? Will Lady Magdalena finally conquer her conflicted feelings towards Nash? Does ending these episodes with cliffhangers get a little tiresome? Those answers and almost too much adventure to handle in the next steaming hot episode of Sky Pirates! Buy war bonds.